What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here with us as we launch into spring season at Fathom Church. Around here, springtime means we're getting ready for our annual neighborhood party, egg hunt, and resurrection nocturne, and two Sunday services on Easter morning. Hop on over to fathom.church forward slash look up for more details on all of these awesome upcoming events. Remember to check us out on the Church Center app or find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Hey, let's dive into the Word today. Um, and if uh, I know that so we've got a lot of uh, new faces here today, and I just want to uh, thank you for being here. And we've been in a series on purpose, literally called on purpose. I think we all uh, want to know what our purpose is in this world. What are we supposed to be doing, right? And, and how can I find purpose in what I'm doing? And so uh, always all of our messages are on YouTube. It's in our Church Center app. Uh, you can kind of go back and watch those or anywhere you, you listen to podcasts, you can listen to those uh, while you're, you're pushing the lawnmower or while you're driving down the road. You can always pop the podcast on if you missed any of those. But here's the kind of big idea we've been working through. We've been working through one verse Literally one verse for three weeks, today's the fourth week. Um, and the big idea here is that our identity actually shapes our purpose. Like who we are in Christ actually changes and, and helps us understand how we are to be living, what we're supposed to be doing. And, and, and we, so we, we've been unpacking our sonship and, and daughtership, like that we are chosen uh, we are God's chosen people, that we're also a royal priesthood. We've been kind of unpacking this part of our identity that we're actually called to be pointing others towards, towards God. Uh, and we've also, uh, last week we talked about holiness and really the, the deep purposes in holiness, that it's, it, it's not just something that, hey, we're, we're set apart, but we're set apart for Him, we're set apart for them, and we're, we're set apart for eternity, that God has prepared a place, as we just sang uh, just a few moments ago. So I'm excited to, to dive deeper into this. And we're going to unpack, as you see this verse here that's highlighted, um, and you probably have memorized this. Many of you have been uh, hearing this, uh, you've probably got it memorized. So maybe you just want to close your eyes and see if you actually know it. Uh, and I want us to read this out loud together. And if you have it memorized, you'll just nail it. Um, but you are a chosen people. Come on, read it out loud with me. Uh, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're going to talk about this idea of proclaiming his excellencies, and I kind of want to break that down. And I think it's easiest breaking it down when we talk about um, things that we love you know, we talk about the things we love. And uh, if you get around me, you know I love to talk uh, about the Lord. I, I love to talk about my wife. I love to talk about my kids. You get me, you know, any parents like that? You get me started on my kids. Uh, you're just going to hear just how awesome they are because I just think they're awesome. I think you guys are awesome. Uh, he, Beckett's like, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, also, if, if food gets brought up, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to start talking because I love food. Like, in fact, I've been a little bit convicted about it. Like, I love food a little bit too much. And, um, like, uh, somebody asked me here this week, like, what's your favorite Mexican restaurant? And, like, we don't want to, like, divide the church over this matter. But, um, like, I was like, well, it depends. Like, if you're talking about tacos, 
Like the junkyard taco at Flying Iguana is like mind-blowing. It's one of my favorite tacos I've ever eaten. If we're talking about nachos, then I'm a, I like Burrito Gallery. Like they got their new school. Anybody have Burrito Gallery? Like Jack's Mex is kind of what they do. So I, I love to talk about food because that, that's the reality for all of us. We talk about what we love. And I think for, for some of us, probably even in here in the room today, we would say there's been a time in our life or maybe right now when, when I'm in kind of common conversation with a family member, a friend, and they start talking about God, and I just get uncomfortable. And it's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't want to talk about this. And you probably, maybe you can't relate it with God right now, but maybe you can think about it when they start talking about something that they're way more passionate about than you're passionate about. And like, I don't know, like for me, Star Wars is one of those. I know I'm going to like, somebody's going to hit me with arrows right now, but Star Wars is one of those. Like I've, I, I like the Marvel stuff, I like superhero stuff, but I've never really gotten into Star Wars, even though I kind of grew up in that generation. I know, like, people are upset. I can tell, like, I could have said heresy, and you wouldn't have gotten offended like that. Um, but anyway, um, but when someone starts talking about it, I start nodding and smiling, but, like, I have, like, I don't know. I know Jabba the Hutt. I know Han Solo. I know Darth Vader and uh, the other one, Skywalker. And, like, after that, like, I have no idea, right? And so I just smile and nod because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of us, we actually feel like that when people are talking about God. But it's like, eh, like I, I just, I don't share the same passion. I don't share the same love. And so that's, that's difficult sometimes for us to connect to one another. Because I think what we love, we actually speak about. And as we take this step into talking about purpose, what I really want to talk about today is, is, is opening our mouth and talking about the goodness of God. Proclaiming his excellencies. Because that's essentially what we're doing when we talk about proclaiming, it's declaring, it's opening our mouths, it's telling people about, like we have no problem telling about people about our favorite restaurant or what's bad going on at work. But when it comes to like talking about how good God is, we're like, ooh, no thanks. We just kind of shove that as if that's not a part of our purpose, that's just a part of maybe my purpose or a pastor, a teacher, like that's their purpose, but it's, it's all of our purpose. It's part of our identity. All that he's done in our life is, is so that we may proclaim the excellencies of his name. The idea of excellencies is not a word I use ever, not even often. Just I, I just don't use that word, but here in this phrase, it essentially means like all the goodness that is in God, like everything intrinsically perfect and beautiful. And as we just sang, uh, the splendor of God just keeps going. It's just like, just the beauty of God's very nature that keeps on going and flowing like to an endless amount, an infinite amount that we, we can't even understand. And so that's essentially what we're talking about is, is, is being able to proclaim that. And so I think it starts with just understanding, just like with food, I love what the psalmist said, Psalm 34, a, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he who takes refuge in him. And see, when we've tasted and seen that the junkyard taco is good, you're going you're gonna to be excited about it like I am. Right? When we've tasted and seen that the Lord's good, like we can't help ourselves but to talk and to proclaim and to tell others about him. This is an idea that Peter was already working before we even get to verse 9. He was already working with this idea. He says in verse 2, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, this idea of tasting that God is good. And maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you say, I've never, my life's just been hardship and suffering. And it's just been struggling. It's, it's been hard to see the goodness of God through our pain. 
Like, let's be real. It's, it's hard to see God's goodness in the midst of pain. It takes time. It takes maturity. But that's really the heart of what Peter is saying here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Like, really, the whole book, if you remember the context of, of his letter here, it's written to the church that's kind of spread out all over the place at home. <laughs> just kidding. At, uh, no, they're just spread out all over the place. The diaspora, they're all over the place. And so he's speaking to them to encourage them right before they're about to go into some serious persecution and suffering. He's saying, hey, your identity doesn't change just because you're suffering, just because you're struggling. And so uh, the goodness of God doesn't change just because you're struggling or you're suffering. Um, and so I want to kind of help you understand this and, and just get into some practicalities of proclaiming the gospel, of, of sharing the gospel from our life. Because I think if I took a poll um, of believers, of Christians, uh, watching and, and, and listening, like the, the data is pretty shocking of how few Christians actually share their faith with others. It's, it's not just shocking, it's depressing. Like, it's, it's depressing. Um, and, and so the message that I want to share with you today, I believe will challenge you, and I believe it'll actually challenge you to some things that call for action, like right away in your life. And so I, I hope that you can receive this. Even uh, if you say, hey, I do love God, but I've just struggled to open my mouth. I, I pray that God will help me as we unpack this idea and this scripture um, that we'll come to understand it and be able to live it. Like we'll be able to live out sharing the gospel. So I hope it helps. I think it starts um, with understanding the depth of our own darkness. Uh, just to kind of get practical and get real heavy real quick, right? Um, Taryn and I have... Um, I've, I've talked about it and joked about it for a while that at our house, in our bedroom, we have, a, we have a ceiling fan in there and the light has not worked on it in like six years. Anybody else got one of those lights that's just like you refuse to change? You just, yeah. So it's like six years. So we've, it's, it's our, our room is dark and it's, it's been like this for six years. We have good like big windows in there and we got a couple of lamps and, and it works. And I kind of like, you know, more moody lighting, as you can tell. And so um, uh, we, we just kind of rolled with it. And, but if we changed that light in there, it would be shocking. It would be like, oh my gosh, it's so bright. Turn it off. And, and, um, and, and that's just kind of the, the, how we've rolled in, in our bedroom there, there at our house. Um, uh, like I told you, I'm, I'm a superhero fan, just not as much a Star Wars fan. And one of the, the superhero movies, uh, Bat, Batman, um, there was this villain named um, uh, Bane. Super, super scary villain, uh, Bane. He has this this one quote about darkness um, that I thought um, is pretty fitting um, for believers to kind of grapple with. And he, he says in like his super creepy voice, uh, you think darkness is your ally, um, but you merely adopted the dark. He said, I was born in it, formed by it. It's like he uses this real creepy voice. I was born in the dark. You just, you think it's your ally. And I think for a lot of us, like we, we have trouble coming out of the darkness because it's just our ally. Like we, and we think it's our ally, but really it's keeping us from the light. And some of us who have yet to, to confess our sins and repent and, and follow Jesus and surrender to Jesus, it's simply because we've made darkness our ally. Like he said to whoever he was talking to at that part of the movie. But the reality for all believers, like Bain said, that we've all been born into darkness. We've all been shaped and formed by darkness. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We're born into this sinful nature and, and we need to, to be saved. When I say we need to understand the depth of our darkness, I'm not talking about dwelling in guilt and shame. 
I'm, I'm talking about a, a deep sense of understanding that I was once blind and now I see. And what I found in the church these days is that often move, people are moving from things are a little dim, things are a little grim, to, yeah, yeah, now, now I'm, I'm kind of like turned on a little more light. I'm kind of putting some moral goodness in there. I'm, I'm going to church more often. And, and we don't have this real understanding of real conversion from darkness to light. And I think it starts with, before we can share this with anybody, we have to understand it for ourselves. That like, no, I was in the depth of darkness. I was born into it. I was formed by it. And I thought it was my ally. And I've learned it's not my ally. I, I think of, of David, who was king at the time um, of the, the writing of, of 2 Samuel. He moves into that as we begin to look at chapters 11 and 12. And um, uh, those of you, like the star of David, you know, named after him uh, for Israel. And David was a man after God's own heart. He was also a man who, um, who failed greatly. And, and he had um, just a heinous crime of, of not only having adultery with another man's wife, but he had that man killed. His name was Uriah. And we, we, we read about that in 2 Samuel. Um, and, and after uh, he had made this, this heinous sin, he was just kind of going about life and just moving on. And God stirred on the heart of a prophet named Nathan in, in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. And, um, and, and I love how the scriptures reveal it is because uh, God tells Nathan to just go and to, to talk to David, to go and to confront David. And Nathan doesn't even know what's going on. He doesn't really know what he's going to say, but he just sets out to go do what God asked him to do. And on the way there, God begins to download to him this kind of fictional story to share with David so that David will wake up and realize he's living in sin and, and he's running like from God's plan and he, what he's done is evil. And so he gets to David, he tells him this story and, and, and he's like, David, you, you get it, right? Like, and he said, David, what do you think we should, we should do with this guy in the story who, who had committed you know, just a, an evil thing. And uh, he's like, we should kill him. We should kill that guy. And, and uh, Nathan has this classic line in the scriptures. And he says, you're the man. And it's not like, you're awesome. It's like, no, you're the man who's done evil in the, the eyes of God. And it's such like a, just a, a, a vivid picture. And in verse 13 of chapter 12, David just says, I have sinned against the Lord. Like, it doesn't give us a lot of like understanding the depths of his darkness. It's like, did he really get it? Like, he's just like, I've sinned against the Lord. And we can say that authentically and really feel it, or we can just kind of, yeah, I've sinned against the Lord. And then we're just moving on. We don't really understand it. So we don't get much of that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, but we move over to Psalm 51, and David pins this deep message of repentance before the Lord. And I'll just read just a couple of things so you can see he understood the depth of his darkness. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. God, get, get every part of me and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression, my sins ever before me. Some of you are walking in here today and it's just like your sins just like ever before you. You're just so aware of it. And you're like, what do I do with it? Do I dwell on it? No, we don't dwell on it. We're going to talk more about that. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. So that uh, you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. But, uh, David understood the depth of his darkness, and I think we need to too. If we're going to proclaim this message about light, we've got to understand how dark it was for us. And not just a little bit dim to a little bit brighter. There's no, there's no power in that. There, there, there's no substance in that. The, the second thing, if we're going to be practically proclaiming that, and I, and I don't, just before I go on, I don't know what that looks like for you. I, I don't know if it's at a later time sitting up under a tree with like David was and just jotting down a few thoughts. 
if it's going on just a little bit of a walk and what I just call like a prayer walk with God of just like, God, just speak to me. God, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. And, and some of us, man, we, we need some repentance time with God. Like really not dwelling on it, but understanding the depth of how bad it was for us, how far we were from God as God is opening our eyes and bringing us into his light. So the second thing um, we, we need to really understand when we're practically going to be proclaiming the gospel is we need to be able to consistently and authentically shine our light before all men. Now, this is an idea that Jesus said to, um, to uh, his, uh, his disciples, really at the Sermon on the Mount and this great crowd. He said, uh, you know, uh, you're a light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is, this is hard. Like, and I think a lot of times we love to adopt, hey, I'm going to let my light shine in such a way in which I never have to open my mouth about Jesus. You know, And, and I know we make excuses and maybe we don't totally understand, kind of, and I want to go back to the consistently and authentically here in just a second. Um, maybe we don't totally understand what, is that, what does that actually uh, mean to be a light? How can I even shine a light? Because I feel like I'm still working through some things. But the reality is that, that he's called us a light of the world, and we are supposed to open our mouth. And it's not just with our actions, it's with our mouth too. For me, one thing that was just always so helpful as I kind of wrestled with my journey with God early on, something that was just revelatory to me was Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It, it, it takes so much pressure off of, I've got to go out and do this now. And it's like, no, no, what I really need to do is get out of the way and let God shine through me. That, that, that's the essence of this. I, I actually need to get less of me. I need to crucify flesh. I need to quit making it about me and, and stop making excuses. And I think that's where I found myself for so long. It's like, well, it's not really my personality. I'm more of the introverted type. It's, maybe that, that's not my role. It's somebody else's role. And hey, personality is real and we have challenges in that. But I, I want to talk to us something for just a second because the idea I want you to understand is that the consistency and authenticity in that, shining our light. So not just one time. I went on a mission trip and shined my light, Pastor. I, I held the door at church on Sunday, Pastor. Like, I'm shining my light for Jesus. And God's calling us to something deeper and more transformative, not only for us, but for the world around us. They're only just getting a dim kind of shot of light in those moments. And so I kind of, I began to think, and I think one huge part with this that's just running through my head and I can't get away from is the idea of trust. Before we ever started the church, um, it felt like a rocket ship. It really did. It felt like a rocket ship. Things were moving very quickly and God was working in a significant way. Um, We had been given this property and, and, and people were just coming from all over and we just like, what is happening right now? It felt like a rocket ship. But God spoke something to my heart and he said, your return on investment will not be a year or two. It'll be like seven years. He, he gave me this idea of seven years. And so um, I, it really resonated with me in the moment. I couldn't get around it. Like there was something that God was speaking to me about this journey for us that we were called to make disciples through relationship. And the most important thing, if you're going to make disciples, and there's a lot of things that are important, 
But you got to understand this principle of trust. If you're gonna, we're gonna walk with people over time, and and we've seen that we we planted and we watered and we just we're trying to be faithful and we just watched God move and now we feel like we've we've entered the season over the past several years in which we're seeing the fruits of, of all that we've watered um, in, in in so many of your lives and in, and in uh, our, our church and our city. Um, but I wanted to, I kind of broke it down like how did I how have I built trust how do I what do I understand about trust and and I think this is going to be helpful for some of our families some of us in our business realm and I call it just the trust formula. And it's that authenticity plus integrity multiplied by time equals trust. So some of us, like, we can't really, we can't really, I think this is why a lot of us, we don't trust the news is because we, we don't trust their integrity or their authenticity. Like, you know, it, it's been broken time and time after again. And trust, trust has been so eroded in our society by deceptive marketing, by fallen leaders, by people who have failed us. Just think about that in your own life. Like how has trust been broken in your life? Quite significantly in a lot of different ways. I could ask you the other side of that. What have you done to break trust too? You know, with your boss, right? No show, no call that one day broke, <laughs> broke trust. With your spouse, caught you lying about that, broke trust. You say, well, how do I, how do I get it back? Authenticity plus integrity multiplied by time is going to equal trust. And the same is true in our calling to proclaim the gospel. You see, integrity is, uh, is necessary if, if people are going to be willing to listen to us proclaim the message. Authenticity is necessary if they're going to want to listen to us. Willing and actually want to listen to us. And so we need to be able to couple these two things consistently, shining the light of integrity, but also authenticity. It's real what God is doing and authentic. Truly what God is doing in my heart. I'm not, I'm not kind of pretending. And, and the idea of hypocrisy in the New Testament is that of a stage actor, one who performs a show. And so many Christians, like it's, it's, it's just a show. It's not authentic. And we wonder why integrity is lacking and we, and we find ourselves failing. So we just need to begin to, to embrace this idea of trust over the long haul, consistency and authenticity and shining our light. The third thing uh, that I, I think is important for us to understand, and I think a lot of us, we need to hear this today, is we need to learn to share our story before it's finished. We need to learn to share our story before it's finished. Most of us are waiting until we get to a point that we feel okay, now I've got my stuff together. Now I understand all the depths of the scriptures. And we're going to keep waiting for this point that frankly, we never arrive to. And, and by the time we do arrive, it'll be too late. You'll be dead. <laughs> by the time we really arrive, they're like, now I know, oh, that's who God is. Oh, and, and I was a part, uh, I went to school for, for music business originally before I, I went um, and studied ministry. And, and theology. And um, uh, so I really got interested in songwriting. I, I love songwriting. It, since we moved to Jacksonville, it has not been a part of my life. But uh, for those of you that don't know, it was a big part of my life. In fact, before we moved here to plant, 
Taryn and I were really wrestling with, is, is God calling us to move to Nashville and just write songs and do music um, full time? And, and, and I'm thankful that God has called us here and what he's doing. And so I, I've left much of that, my time and energy with that uh, aside. But, but I love it. I still have a passion for it. And, and so me and a, a group of like eight friends, we'd get together and we'd do something called a songwriter circle. And uh, it was awesome. It was so transformative in my life. And here's what it was. Like every Tuesday night, we would get together in a room and um, we would all have to bring a song that everybody was going to rip us to shreds on. Like, it was awesome, right? So there was, it created this sense of urgency that you had to create. You had to do something. You had to bring something to the table for everybody to encourage. Like, they were super loving. Uh, and they were like, yeah, I love this part of it. And this part never needs to come out of your mouth again. Or like, that melody needs to be changed. Or like, um, you know, the, 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 the rhythm needs to change or something like that. So they would offer all this feedback and it was really helpful um, for us. But what I learned in that process is that my song was never perfect. And, and, and just as they say about songwriting, that great songs aren't written, they're rewritten. Um, just like the book or the devotional or the blog you're doing or, or whatever in your life, it's not written, it's rewritten. The same thing is true with your story. Like, like, we think we've got control of the story. When we surrender and God's writing the story, it's going to be rewritten over and over again. We're going to see it so differently today. Like, me understanding my calling and the purpose of why God called us to Jacksonville, Florida, is so different today than what it was when we moved here. Like, that story's been written and has been rewritten a bunch of times because I'm getting a clearer picture. And here's what I love. And so I, I want us to understand this as we proclaim that we got to proclaim on the way. Like, in the process, we can say this. And so I, I love this passage. I was reading in Ephesians chapter 6, and Paul is talking about the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. It's a great, great text. At the end of it, I want you to see this. And Paul's asking for prayers. Paul, the apostle, preacher of the gospel, majority of the New Testament writings or got his name behind them or leading it. And here's what he's praying to the church at Ephesus. He's like, and like, will you pray for me too? That I might have the words to be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim not the finished good news, not just the mystery of the gospel, like not just the things I know and understand, all the stuff I don't really totally comprehend either. Like it's just, I just know it. And he says, for which I'm an ambassador in chains. You want to talk about a story that's in process? He's chained up. He said that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And I, I want you to know today, church, like those of you that have been checking out on this part of your purpose, no, no, it's something we ought to speak. And we ought to speak boldly about who God is and the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ in our life. And some of us are going to want to push away from the table and be like, I can't do it. Can't do it. And we're always going to be missing out on this element of our purpose. And it's a part of our identity that we'll boldly proclaim. And I just think as we grow deeper and deeper in love with him, what's going to, what should flow out of that? And if it doesn't, something's wrong with, with your theology. But the more we come in love with Jesus, the more we understand God's love, the more we're going to love other people. All throughout the New Testament, that's a sign of maturity for a believer is that you love other people and we love one another. It's a, it's a sign of maturity. So if you're like, I don't love people, um, I'm just going to say you're immature. You're spiritually immature. And, and God wants to grow us in that so that we can be a light for him. And so uh, I'm not condemning anybody for that's where you're at, but keep it real. That's where you're at and we need to grow in it. And, and through God's love, he's going to allow us to, to grow in it. And so we got to share our story 
along the way. I think for some of us, like an action thing is today, like at the end of service, uh, later on, that we'll actually have an opportunity to be able to share our story with somebody. Maybe you'll just ask somebody first, like, hey, what's your story? And you'll just know, like, all right, we're going to practice this. <laughs> we're going to practice. Well, what's your story? And some of you are like, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid, like, I know. But if, like, we can't talk about it with believers at a church, can we talk about it anywhere? Like, are we going to be able to talk about it with non-believers? We, we, we got to begin to practice this and share our story along the way. Final thing today is we got to always make it about God's marvelous light. I hear so many people, they're dwelling on their darkness. Oh, man, you just don't know how bad I was. Like, no, no, that's, that's not what this is. When we're sharing our story, when we're proclaiming the practicality of that, don't make it about you. You're not the main character in the story. God is the, the, the main, um, he's the main character. He's the main one we're pointing our attention to. It's not, it's not ourselves, it's to him. I love, I love Paul's um, quoting of a passage in Isaiah in Romans 10, 15. And he says, and, and how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And my prayer for you today is that as we walk out these doors and we, we celebrate, we have some fun today, I pray that as you walk Monday and you walk Tuesday, God looks down and says, man, those are some beautiful feet right there because they're carrying the good news of the gospel. Um, I, I pray that we would be stirred today. We would be, feel uh, the conviction in our heart that, no, no, we ought to speak. We ought to boldly proclaim what God's done. If he's done it in your life, if you love him, then like we've just got to begin to, to move the excuses out of the way and say, this is a part of our purpose. I need to begin to open up and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Today is, as has been mentioned a couple times before, today is Palm Sunday. It shows up in, in every gospel account that Jesus re, he entered the city for the final time, just before what we know is Resurrection Sunday. Um, and just before he would have that Passover meal um, that, that David alluded to earlier. Uh, and that day, Jews were, had long been expecting uh, the Messiah. If you're studying casket empty with us, when we get to the E of empty, we're going to study about that expectation really in a rich manner. Um, they had long been expecting the Messiah, like praying daily, God, show up, bring the Messiah every single day. And in fact, over the course of a year, they would pray a prayer in expectation a thousand, over a thousand times that God would show up, that expectation. I just love that. That's just amazing. So they had this deep expectation of that and they didn't re realize for a long time and Jesus begins to do the miraculous and, and, and he comes in that day and, and so many recognized him as the Messiah, but they didn't fully understand the Messiah. Like they were hoping for an earthly king to kind of set their enemies straight. And, and, and Jesus came riding in the donkey and died. And they're like, what? But in that moment when they begin to take off their coats, it was a sign of submission to the Messiah. Like it, it was in Jewish tradition, it was a sign of submission. That God, I, I take off what's mine and, and it's yours. They also lay these palm branches down, which was a sign of victory, the symbol of victory that they believed it was already done. The Messiah was here. He was entering and he was about to set everybody straight. And so they worshiped. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us. Like, oh Lord, save us and save us. And now, some of us, we need to cry out to God today and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, like save me now. 
I've been running. I've been living in darkness. I've made it my ally and, and, and no longer will we do it. See, at that time, they were proclaiming the Messiah as they knew him. Just like John the Baptist proclaimed the Messiah before his ministry. Jews proclaimed the Messiah before his death. And we today, church, we proclaim the Messiah before he returns. We're a part of this great story. This incredible story, redemption story that God has written out through all of creation to proclaim his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, to to proclaim that he is who he said he is. And we do that authentically. We do it through our life. We do it through building trust with integrity, sincerity, and consistently shining our life and opening our mouth and proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to get an opportunity to proclaim this to others as we go out into the city. But right now, we're going to proclaim it to God. We're going to to proclaim it in worship and prayer and say, God, I know that you are who you said you are. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for the goodness of the gospel. We thank you for the great mystery of the gospel that you loved us and you saw us where we were at. God, and we, we thank you for what you're doing in this moment in our hearts. God, a challenging word indeed that calls us to live and to be about our Father's business, proclaiming your goodness, proclaiming the excellencies of your name. God, can you help us today as we process this to just, not to dwell in the darkness, God, but to understand it so that we don't repeat it. Understand it, God, so that we can communicate authentically how much you, we love you and how, how much you've saved us out of darkness and called us out into your marvelous light. God, may you receive all the glory. Every word from our lips this week, God, would you give us words to say before the conversation happens? Would we set reminders on our phones, God, to say, hey, God, help me open up a door, God, today. I'm praying, God, open up a door for me to proclaim the gospel. God, and would you do the miraculous, God? Would you do what only you can do and bring lost sheep home? Bring those that are far from you back home to see your loving kindness. May we turn from our sin. We love you today in Jesus' holy name. There's going to be some prayer partners here with you. If you're online, you can just comment the word prayer, and we'd love to reach out. But there's going to be prayer partners here at the crosses. We'd love to pray with you. Let's worship and let's sing. Proclaim who he is today. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.